We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Thunder fans? It is your boy, Taylor Peterson. You probably know me on Twitter at as Taylor underscore P15. I am here today with your post-game recap. The Thunder, unfortunately, lost to the Pelicans tonight, 118 to 114. It was rough. Um, before I get into it, though, I am joined today with none other than my main basketball-watching homie, my beagle. Rumble, and I was hoping to be joined by my newest main basketball watching homie, Brody. We, my wife and I, got a new pup this weekend. Um, we went to a like puppy adoption event here a couple of weekends ago, which was my first mistake. Um, <laughs> but the wife fell in love with the pup, and I can't lie, I kind of, maybe, sort of did also. And so a weekend later, which was this past weekend, we ended up adopting, which has been awesome. He's been a great pup. Him and Rumble have had a ton of fun, ton of fun together. But the compromise here was, was that we could get him, but that we were, we were going to name him Brody. And so we have a Rumble and a Brody. It's actually spelled with the Y, which I realize is wrong in terms of Russ's Brody, B-R-O-D-I-E. But Summer, my wife, like the Y spelling. So here we are. Anyways, Brody is passed out after a long day of playing because my wife is a nurse and uh, has three days on or three 12 hour shifts. She was off today. Long story short. Anyways, that was just kind of to give you guys something to smile about because this this game tonight certainly did not. Unfortunately, you know, the Pelicans were 
without uh, Etwa Moore, Elfram Payton, and Nikola Miritich tonight. And you would think going into this game, without those three, that the Thunder probably, if they played a solid game like they did you know, against the Jazz here on Monday, that they probably had this one in the bag. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Also, Anthony Davis got banged up. I believe it was in the first quarter. He went out, got checked out, and then he was sh- he shortly came back in. But he also got banged up a little bit. That's something to note. You know, on the Thunder side, we didn't have Deontay Burton, but that was because he was with the OKC Blue. And you know, I'm I'm all about that, particularly right now when he is on that two way contract still. It's still under that two way contract. I'm the biggest Deontay Burton supporter, and I I would would be really happy if they were to convert that to a, a full contract. But while he's under that two-way, I think it's really good for him to get that that balance of that NBA time that he gets with the, gets with the Thunder in the limited minutes. But also, TLC, who was active, but he did not see the floor, neither did Nader. Um, you know, the Thunder were finally getting some buzz after that big jazz win they had on Monday. They were first in the West, and they were, you know, they were getting recognized for it. There was multiple articles out there, which I'm sure almost all of you guys read and saw, whether it was The Ringer or I think it was like SB Nation was one of them. Um, there were some national podcasts that talked about it. Regardless, the Thunder were getting some, finally getting some national attention, which I know a lot of you guys, a lot of you Thunder fans had been asking for. And it was mainly because of their defense, which has just been stellar. You know, as, as we know, I think uh, us here at the Uncontested, we've talked about on our on our past podcast, our group podcast, but the Thunder had the number one ranked defense in the entire league. But tonight, it certainly didn't look like it, unfortunately. Uh, I have here the only positive of tonight's game is that I had Anthony Davis on my fantasy basketball team. And just to give you guys a perspective on how his night went, he had 48 fantasy points, which was, a uh, disclaimer, was... Very close to his final point total for the game tonight. So I'm just going to kind of go through quarter by quarter here really quick. I have a couple quick points before I get into my main points overall, and then hopefully I'll have enough time left to get into your guys' Twitter questions for the night. So first quarter, there were a lot of turnovers early. And unfortunately, this kind of set the precedent for the rest of the game. Precedent, not president, sorry. (laughs) But... I believe there were like four turnovers in the first five or so minutes of the first first quarter before Billy eventually had to call timeout because that's how poor it was. It, I mean, Russ had a, quite a few of those. PG threw one over early, and I believe that that PG turnover was the one that eventually caused Billy to call to call the timeout. It was ugly. First quarter, Russ's defense was awful. As Jacob Thundermob four hundred five he pointed out on his Twitter. Anthony Davis has some wide open threes because Russ got screened. He didn't guard anyone. And then he forced Steven to guard more than one defender because he was he's being lazy. And honestly, I think that's because he was so frustrated. His shots weren't falling early. He was hoping they were going to be. He was so focused on that coming into the game because he's been shooting so poorly recently. And he was so focused on the offensive end. He wasn't giving any effort on the defensive end. But his shot still wasn't falling. He was frustrated, and that caused a lot of turmoil early on in the first quarter. So the refs called the game tight from the beginning, and I'll get into that at the very end with one of my main overall points. 
at the end of the first quarter, Thunder had five fouls while the Pelicans had seven. You know, that's 12 total fouls in the first quarter. Not ideal at all. It's particularly for a team that likes to play fast like the Thunder. I thought Shooter came in and gets some really good minutes here. And <laughs> I was actually out eating with the wife. And, you know, I was watching the game. I was I was tweeting. I was trying to stay engaged while we were eating and talking and stuff. But I don't actually have Shooter's points or stats, statistics for the first quarter. But he really did come in and thought he played great. In fact, the Thunder actually made their comeback. You know, that they weren't down by a lot at this point. But they still made a comeback here when Shooter came in and Russ sat, which really kind of, kind of tells you something. And I, I do want to just add this as a little disclaimer because uh, as, as most of you probably want me to, I'm about to go in on Patrick Patterson here from you know the rest of the podcast pretty much. But I thought he did come in here in the first quarter and have a fairly decent uh, last ending to the first quarter. I'm not even sure how many minutes he had in the first, but he came in, played some okay defense. I, I think he, that's when he got his, his layup. Um, you know, he, he played decent. I saw, I believe it was Brett Dawson tweeted about that. And I, I agree. I think that was his only time, unfortunately, for this game that he played all right. So second quarter happens. And there's, so at one point, just to talk about Dennis a little more, he had 13 points. He had three three-pointers. This is all in 12 minutes. He's playing great. He's being aggressive. I loved his aggression on the defensive end particularly. I'm not saying he played stellar defense by any means, just because, you know, his body isn't built like Russ's and and sometimes against a guy like Drew Holiday or whoever's handling the ball doesn't allow him to be just a lockdown defender but the effort was there and that's all we can ask and that was more than Russ was giving at that point in the game I thought that was huge and it was it was helping it was helping uh lead to turnovers and it was helping the Thunder come back in this game for that matter you know and I think that that deserves to be recognized meanwhile Russ seemed more engaged in this quarter when he came back in. He looked to find the open man. He wasn't forcing quite as many shots as in the first quarter. I thought that was a, a major positive. You know, I, I noticed him kicking out to some open shooters. I think Jeremy Grant was one of them, you know, who's been shooting so well for us from the, from the three-point line this season. Tonight, he didn't shoot quite as well, but you, you can expect him to be a, a knockdown, consistent three-point shooter all the time, which I'll get into later. But... Anyways, you know, the Thunder were down 56 to 57 and a half in the second quarter. Russell only had three points, five assists, and five turnovers, just to give you a little insight into his half. It, it was not good, and unfortunately, his second half wasn't a whole lot better. And it, the other issue was, I talked about Jeremy Grant. He's just been stellar for us this season. If you guys have listened to, us, to our previous podcast, and if you haven't, I highly encourage you to. But we have just raved on Jeremy Grant, particularly the last couple group podcasts. But he already had three fouls at this point, which is not ideal. And fouls is another main point I'll get on get into at the end of this. But the Thunder Bench had a 25 to 7 scoring advantage, which is huge. And you would hope so. With as many players as the freaking New Orleans Pelicans, who shoot, I sorry, I, I didn't look this up, but they were barely even a playoff team at this point tonight. I, I don't think they were in the top eight in the West. And again, I should have looked this up. Poor podcasting, but regardless. It's a team who hasn't been playing very consistently. Just got the break speed off them uh, from the Boston Celtics. And they were depleted tonight. They didn't have three solid players who get quite a bit of playing time for them, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast. And yet, the Thunder were down. 
Uh, th- their bench outscored them like they should have. Like I said, 25 to 7, but it wasn't ideal. Third quarter, it's just kind of a c- continuation of the rest of, of, of the previous first half. Jeremy picks up his fourth foul just 12 seconds into the half. Guess what? Billy trusts him, as he should. Leave him in there. Let him, you know, tell him to play straight up. Maybe not be quite as aggressive. Hopefully he can give the team a couple more minutes, three, four more minutes. You can substitute him for Patrick Patterson, who can hopefully get by um, until the fourth quarter. You can bring Jeremy back in. He has two fouls to give. Hopefully he can finish until, until the end of the game, right? No. Jeremy Grant picked up his fifth foul with 10 minutes and 11 seconds left in the third. That essentially took him took him out of the game until close to you know the end of the fourth quarter, which is so unfortunate when Jeremy Grant's been one of your best players for you this entire season. And you have two guys down low like Anthony Davis and Julius Randle who are just giving you the work to so that way I don't have to go back and censor this part of the podcast. I have some other words I'd like to use. But uh, I don't have the editing skills like Jacob does, so I'm just going to say giving them the work because that, you know, it it, it was ugly. This eventually uh, got the Pels to having the Pelicans to having 54 points in the paint and a 41 to 28 rebounding advantage. They were just destroying us down low. The fourth quarter happens. There was a lot of craziness that happened here in the fourth. The Pelicans stretched the lead to 98-89 to towards the beginning of the fourth quarter. They had a four points to that lead with Anthony Davis sitting, which a depleted Pelicans team added four points to their lead with 80 sitting. That's unacceptable. Then Jeremy checks back in with seven minutes, 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter. He has five fouls. Remember that. Um, you know, Patrick Patterson was in way too long, which I'll get into here in a, in, in a little while towards the end of this podcast, but he comes back in. Uh, Russ ended up having a couple great defensive steals and plays in transition towards the end of the fourth, which really helped the Thunder actually have a chance in this one. It just seems crazy. At one point I tweeted that I can't believe the Thunder within five in the fourth quarter towards the end of the fourth quarter, because this felt like a 20-point game. That's how poor the Thunder were playing. But again, they were playing a depleted Pelicans team. So it makes sense why why it was close. But you, you have to give Russ credit for those plays, because he, he did really lock down towards in, in the fourth quarter on the the defensive end, and that helped the Thunder to get into a position to win this game. He Russ misses a three to... Oh, sorry. So, uh, you know, those plays on defense led to a open three for Ferg, who drilled it. I believe Russ also got a three-pointer, if I'm remembering correctly. And then uh, PG also had a three-point play. And that put them within, I I believe they're only down two at this point. Um, There might have been a couple other plays that happened in between that. But eventually what happens, we're under a minute here at this point. Russ misses a three to put the Thunder up one, because of course he did. He's been shooting terrible, as we all know. The Pelicans missed two free throws, however. I believe it was Julius Randle, actually, who missed those. Thunder call a timeout, and then Billy draws up this play. And I think Jacob described it really well in the slack here, and so I, w- I was going to read it to you guys. But uh, as Jacob puts it, it looked like the original plan was for Paul George to to get off the rub screen. He, he comes up, sets a screen for Russ. He pops out for the three, as we saw against Brooklyn. We also saw against Chicago. Um, New, Orleans, New Orleans defended it very well. They immediately switched the screen because they knew PG wanted that three-pointer shot, and Russ has been shooting piss-poor from the three-point line. So Russ's man slips, 
that opens up the driving lane, which he does and was great because at this point, I, I maybe here a little bit ago, I might have said they were down three. They're only down two at this point, so I apologize. Um, so Russ can drive and get two points, and it's overtime. But AT rotates while Adams is screening Abrinas' man. That opens up Abrinas for a wide open, or I say wide open, for an open three-pointer. Russ makes a great play. And I know a lot of you guys, I know I just dogged on Russ before, you know, almost this entire podcast already, but I thought he made a really solid play and found the open shooter in Abrinas. And Abrinas had a fairly open shot. He shoots a three-pointer and he misses because he's been very cold as well, unfortunately. I thought it was a good look. Yes, Anthony Davis is a freak of nature, has a ridiculous wingspan. He's able to recover better than a lot of other players are. So he was able to get a little bit of a hand... Yeah, kind of in his face, I guess you could say that. And I think I saw somebody tweet that maybe it was John Hamm or Royce Young or Brett Dawson or somebody along those lines who said if Alex Abrams would have pump faked kind of like that Brooklyn play where PG had the three, does the pump fake, hits the game-winning three-pointer, that Alex could have had a similar situation if he would have pump faked, could have had a wipe on three. But regardless, he had a really good look, and that was a great play by Russ. Unfortunately, Abrams misses it. So that's the ball game. Thunder end up losing. Um, it was unfortunate. But the thing is, you, you can't blame it on that one play. So that's why I'm, I'm getting into my final takeaways here. I'm just going to read off the final stat lines for you guys. Paul George, he kind of got to a slow start, but he still, he still ends up with 25 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, had uh, 9 of 17 field goals, was 3 of 7 from the 3-point line, Guess what? He was one of the only Thunder players who shot well from the free throw line. He was a 4-4. Four four. You know, he he did have four fouls, but he stayed in the game. Um, two steals. He was just awesome. Uh, again, now granted, he, he could have got going a little earlier. Uh, I think a lot of those points came in the fourth, but regardless, Paul George played a solid game. Then you have Jeremy Grant, who was in foul trouble, like I mentioned, only had seven points. Five rebounds and one assist, uh, you know, on three of eight from the from the field. Um, you know, he, he ended up with five fouls. He didn't foul out, thankfully, but he didn't come back in until way late. We have Steven Adams, who had 20 points. He tied Russ uh, with 20. Uh, Steven had six rebounds and, and two assists. He was seven and nine from the field. Here's the thing. I would, especially in a game like this, and I know it's Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis is a great defender. You know, he's a great all – he's – Top three players in the league, probably, right? You know, honestly, there's a lot of people who put him behind LeBron and Kevin Durant as that third third best player in the league. Um, and I'm really curious to see what would happen if he weren't even on the if he were off the Pelicans on a te- different team. Um, regardless, that's a <laughs> completely different subject. We'll say for a group pod, but I still would. I mean, Stephen has 20 points. He only misses two shots. Continue to feed him. He only shot the ball nine times. Continue to feed him. You know, he only shot one more shot for perspective than Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant shot three of eight. And Jeremy Grant had five fouls and barely played any of the second half until about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Steven Adams needs more shots. I'm sorry. Even if it's Anthony Davis. I don't care who it is. Um, But off my rant. Continuing on, Terrence Ferguson had six points. He was two of four from the field. Guess what? Those were all three-pointers, and that's exactly what we want. And if you would have told Taylor from two-ish months ago that 
current Taylor, this Taylor on this podcast, would be advocating for Tams Ferguson to be getting the ball a little more on open three-point shots, getting a little more playing time, and shooting those open three-pointers. Past Taylor would have told you you were freaking insane, but he's been playing really well on both ends. He really has, and it's been really cool to see. Defense might might have struggled a little more tonight for Terrence Ferguson, but that three-point shot's still there, and that's really big for this team for spacing out that floor when they have so much limited three-point shooting. Finally, Russ had 20 points, six rebounds, seven assists. Pretty solid stat line, right? Um, 8-16 from the field, but he was 2-7 of seven from three. Get, and the worst of all of these, 2-5 of five from the free-throw line. That's just horrendous. Horrendous. We'll get into that here in a little bit later. You know, Nerlens had four points, three rebounds, two assists, only had three shots. Um, he had a couple free throws. That was in 11 minutes. Meanwhile, Patrick Patterson had three points, three rebounds. He made one field goal, missed all three of his three-pointers, which is just awful. <laughs> um, Abrinas had five points. He made one three-pointer and then had another shot. He was two of six from the field. Uh, unfortunately, Hami didn't Hami did not get a lot of playing time tonight. He missed both of his field goals, but he only played five minutes, which is kind of interesting. Um, and main, mainly, that probably was because of this right here. Dennis Schroeder. He had 24 points, three rebounds, four assists. He was 9 of 18 from the field, 4 of 11 from three. Three-pointers were awful, but, sh- I mean, shit, he was the only person who was, who was hitting three-pointers besides me. Not even Paul George. Can't even say that tonight. He hit both of his free throws. He played 32 minutes. That's probably why we didn't see much homie. And then, you know, meanwhile, on New Orleans, I have to mention this. I mentioned Anthony Davis. You know, I have him on my fantasy team. He had 48 fantasy points for me. Well, this is why. 44 points, 18 rebounds, 2 assists. He was 16 of 32 from the field. Only shot three three three-pointers. Guess what? He made all of his free throws. 11 for 11. Julius Randle, 22 points. 12 rebounds, 3 assists. Drew Holiday, 20 points, 5 rebounds, 10 assists. And that, I mean, the, the, some guy named, it's not even worth reading the rest of the freaking stats. D. Miller, I don't even know who that is. Darius Miller. Who the hell is Darius Miller? It's a Kentucky guy. He's been in the league for four years. Well, he was the leading scorer off the bench with 10 points. <laughs> so that just kind of gives you a, a perspective tonight. So anyways, I'm going to kind of get into some a little couple, uh, a couple more overall points. You know, Thunder only had 39 rebounds tonight. Pelicans had 56. For perspective, Randall and AD combined for 30 of the Pelicans' rebounds. Thunder had 39 total. That's an issue. And obviously that's because, or partially because Jeremy Grant was in foul trouble for a lot of this. But regardless, that's unacceptable. Um, and there's a couple things I think that could, could fix that. And two of those points I'll get into here later on. Patterson was awful. You know, I just read his stat line. He, uh, at one point in the third, both Russ and PG didn't pass to a wide open Patrick in the corner. So they don't even trust him. Two guys who have harped on trust this entire season as a main component for why this team has been playing so well. They don't even trust him enough to give him the ball when he's wide open. That's an issue. That's a major issue. And I hate to say this. This is probably wrong of me and just anger coming out. And, you know, if the Royce Youngs and the John Hams and the Andrew Schlecks and the Brett Dawson's of the, of the OKC Thunder um, national, or not national, goodness, the, uh, the media, 
want to come out and criticize for me that criticize me for this and call me a homer um, and say this is wrong, then so be it. But when you see Patrick Patterson's significant other and Paul George's significant other, you know, out after the Brooklyn game when PG hit that game winner and they're out having drinks and they show Paul George and Patrick out there partying. Um, I don't know. It just, it makes you curious. There was a, a national writer, Dave DeFore, who tweeted out today during the game that the Thunder looked like a team who was out a little too late last night. Now, I'm not saying all these guys are out drinking or partying. This, That's not what I'm getting at whatsoever. But it just, it makes you wonder, you know, is, is P-Pat just struggling mentally be, on the floor? Um, he doesn't trust his shot right now, and that's why he's playing so poorly. It, or his priority is not right. I, I really have no idea. Again, it's probably not my place to say so, but I'm a little angry right now, as you guys can probably tell. I'm ranting, and so I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyways, um, let's see. Alex Sabrinas, he still can't hit a shot. He's ice cold. His his stroke looks fine, honestly. I was I was watching it, particularly in the second half, because I knew I was going to be talking about this. I thought his, his, he's shooting it confidently still. Also, the, as usual the thunder are still getting great looks and abrinas is benefiting because of that he's getting some great open looks you know he was 7 11 for 21 points against atlanta on november 30th since then he is four of 17 four of 17 since 11 30 if i did my quick math right there that's just awful you know this team needs outside shooting unfortunately um you know patrick patterson i mentioned him he's going on five games without a three Scoreless in nine of his previous ten before his layup that he had tonight. And that's just unacceptable. Um, the Thunder were 13 and 43 from three. Speaking of threes, they're that's 30.2%, 30 excuse me. And 43 attempts is a season high from three for the Thunder. That's awful. For a team that is not known for their three-point shooting, they completely got away from their identity tonight. Shot entirely, forced entirely too many three-pointers. And that's unacceptable for a team who, who can't really hit three-point shots right now. They got out-rebounded 56-39. I believe I mentioned that earlier. Had the 18 turnovers. I mean, New Orleans still had 17, <laughs> which which tells you something, right? You know, the Thunder are so good at transition defense. you think they'd be able to capitalize off that. And they're, they play fast. They should be able to capitalize off that. They should be able to get points off that. But they didn't. You know, both teams had 27 fouls. Um, so there were a ridiculous amounts of fouls called on both ends. I, I've mentioned this and kind of alluded to this earlier on the podcast, and this is a, a point I really kind of want to slow a little bit. I know I've gone a little long here, but I really want to focus on this point. The Thunder thrive off pace. They thrive off pushing the ball. That's why they've built this this team, this long, athletic, versatile team that you keep hearing over and over. Length, athletic, versatility. And this is how they play. They play fast. They play great defense. They get deflections. And they score in transition because they are not a good three-point shooting team, as you can tell from here a little bit ago in the podcast. However, when both teams had have 27 fouls and the refs are calling the game so tight, that limits the amount of steals, deflections that the Thunder can, can get. Therefore, that hinders their pace, right? You know, they, they aren't able to play nearly as fast. They aren't able to get transition uh, points you know, driving to the floor or kicking out to the open shooter, and that leads to a half-court offense, which the Thunder are not great at. And again, this podcast is going long, so I don't have 
the Thunder's half-court stat or half-court offensive stats for the season or for this game. But regardless, when the the refs are playing that way. It, that, that was a big factor, and that's something that deserves to be mentioned. You know, it's something to to keep an eye on. Justin, actually, I was asking the guys in the Slack if there's anything that they wanted me to cover specifically in this podcast, and Justin said, please spend all 15 minutes reading back the transcripts from every time the whistle was blown. So if you guys want to do that, you absolutely can, and I think that kind of will validate this point that I just made. But regardless... A couple more points, you know, moving on. Jacob brought up in our Slack, bringing Deontay Ant back up four on Friday against Denver is a possibility. Patrick Patterson playing so poorly. It's sour to that point. But you know what? It kind of makes sense. Denver is missing Millsap anyways. P-Pat isn't really worth having out there anymore, particularly if he isn't going to contribute at all and isn't really contributing to spacing. You know, I don't know who would want to guard P-Pat out there. Um... You know, and I, I, I realize he can get going, and a month from now we may be saying the same thing that we were saying about Ferguson, you know, for, that we're saying about Ferguson now, like, oh, wow, he really turned around. But regardless, you know, that's that's something to think about. Bring Deontay in on that four, let him play some small ball four, see what happens. You have nothing to lose, right? And then finally, Jacob also brought this up in our Slack, but all this would be fixed if Russ was Russ, the Russ we know and love. And I think a lot of that, or sorry, I can't even say I think, um, I'm kind of trying to to understand it here. I don't know if it's just all in his head from a basketball standpoint. You know, we there's a lot of players like that. I mentioned P-Pat. I think that's his issue. Uh, Abrinas, I think that might be his issue. And, you know, like Dre, that's always been an issue for him from the free throw line is uh, confidence and just a, a huge mental aspect. You know, I, I've always have heard like 90% of the game is – is mental while 10% is your ability, your, your athletic ability and skill. That could be it. But then you also have the personal aspect of it, right? Russ had twin babies. And to, to put that in perspective, there's a guy, um, I'm in the oil and gas industry here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Please don't follow me. <laughs> um, but I know a guy uh, in our industry who I'm very close with. He just had twin babies. And he comes into a meeting we had here about a week ago, and he says, yeah, and I was talking to him about the babies, asked how everything was going. He said, man, last night was awesome. I had five hours of sleep. And I was like, what do you mean? Awesome. Five hours of sleep? He was like, yeah, I'd been getting about like two, three, four up until then. So that's kind of a funny joke, um, or not even a joke. He was being serious, unfortunately, but it kind of puts into perspective what having twins does, much less having whatever Noah Westbrook is, like a two-year-old. So you have all that. Um, I believe because of all that, Nina is probably back in L.A. from what I've heard with uh, probably her parents or Russ's parents to kind of help out with Russ being here. So if you're separated from all that or you're trying to go back and forth or you are home some and you have all that going on, that would make sense, right? I don't know. This, this These are all hypotheses or, you know, just guesses, guesses for why Russ is playing poorly. But long story short, all in all, Thunder are now third in the West at 17 and nine. They're a half game behind Denver, who play, who they play Friday. You know they're also have been hit by the by the injury bug. But as we saw tonight, that doesn't really matter with a team like the Thunder. It you don't know if you're gonna get the team that came out against the Bulls and came out tonight against the Pelicans or the team that came out against the Jazz and looked like the best team in the West, or if you 
you know, are being realistic, the second best team in the West, right? So we have them on Friday. We then have the Clippers at home on Saturday. I'm on a back-to-back. Um, we're going to learn a lot about this team, you know, this in these next two games, particularly even more so than we originally thought heading into this week, right? Because it's now we have to respond to a poor game like tonight. Russ has to respond to a couple poor performances uh, that he's had straight now, you know. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens here. Finally, I know I've gone a little long. There's a couple Twitter questions you guys really wanted me to answer, and I was going to go through them if I can find them. Here we go. So just really quickly, Conway Tweeter asked me, why is Davis so good against the Thunder? Yes, he's good against most teams, but he plays exceptionally well against the Thunder. Well, Conway, Tweeter, seems that that's the case for a lot of certain players around the league, unfortunately. Um, but in the case of Anthony Davis, trying to think, you know, Anthony, or uh, excuse me, Stephen Adams is not much a of a perimeter defender, and Anthony Davis is so versatile that he can play out on the perimeter, he can shoot the three-pointer, he can drive to the rack. That's obviously a big part of it. And then we have a power forward, you know, another shot blocker down low, guy like Jeremy Grant who gets in foul trouble. Well, you take him out of the game, you bring in a guy like Patrick Patterson. Um, Steven Adams has to rest at some point, right? And a guy like Anthony Davis or Joel Embiid is going to feast in a scenario like that. Next one I have is Paul P underscore H underscore F3. Free throws. Can we make them? Oh yeah, that's that's something else I don't even know if I mentioned here. Let's see. Just in case I did not mention free throws, they were horrendous. Uh, the Thunder were 17 of 27. Yeah. Meanwhile, New Orleans was 24 of 30. Thunder make their free throws. They either win this game or, or sh they should win this game. We'll put it that way. I, I don't understand this team. I don't understand why Russ can't make free throws anymore when he used to be automatic. I have no idea what's going on at the free throw line, and I wish I could predict it, but I can't. Um, Crencho, Chincho? Sorry. Chincho, hashtag Martinator, hashtag WC, at CMF Official, asked me how the explicitive can the best players in the world hit only slightly above 50% on free throws. Another free throw-related question which is a great question. It's like this whole new role where Russ can walk behind the three-point line that got implemented. Not just Russ, but all players can't walk behind the three-point line during free throws or delay a game. Got implemented last season, and it's just kind of been a disaster for Russ since then. Me and my dad were actually talking about this. My dad played uh, college basketball for a D2 school uh, called Pittsburgh State. Gorillas up in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Uh, you know, He's been a big basketball guy, a big reason for why I am a big basketball fan. And me and him always talk basketball. And it, whether it's texting, calling, or whether I go over there on, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to still be close to my parents, so I'll go over there on Sundays. Regardless, he was asking me about this. He was like, what in the hell is going on with Russ? He used to be automatic. And, uh, you know, my dad's watched the Thunder ever since I have when they first got here um, in OKC. And he, we're all just as clueless as you guys are. I really have no idea what's going on there. Again, it, it's all mental, but I don't know why that reasoning is. Is it because he's missed so many? Is it because there's outside factors going on? You know, it, just from a personal standpoint, you know, I from playing basketball on a, a much lesser level, I, I do know, though, when there's that stress 
uh, at the free throw line, whether it's because it's a close game and you have to make these free throws or because you missed like a couple in a row or because you have a coach who's going to yell at you. There's a lot of factors, mental factors that go into it, and it you're going to miss them if you're not thinking about it. And so I, I, I think that's definitely part of it. And I think that's all. That is all I have here. So uh, I know I went very long here for a post-game podcast. In fact, I went almost twice as long. I'm sure the guys from the uncontested, the rest of the guys are going to make a lot of fun of me. But you know what? I had a couple of rants I needed to go on. I wanted to make sure I got your guys' Twitter questions. I'm a man of the people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, it, it was a tough loss. Moving forward, like I said, we have a couple games coming up the rest of this week. We should be all right. I hope we're going to turn around. Uh, kind of like we did after the Bulls loss and come out and just stomp the brakes off the Denver Nuggets. Hang in there, Thunder fans. Thunder up. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.